Gabriel Pizza Hotline we go right now. And uh, we welcome in a good Ottawa guy. He is the NHL writer for the Canadian Press. It is our good friend Josh Clippert. And Josh, good morning. How are you? Good morning, gents. How are you? Outstanding. Long time no chat. Thought we'd uh, bring you on as we're through the NHL trade deadline. That's a, a busy time for everybody that covers the league, especially somebody that covers the entire league like you, Josh. So the dust has settled a little bit here. Um, and I'll, I want to get your thoughts here on the local team in Ottawa. We're, you know, close to it, close to the fire. Sometimes I feel like, you know, forests and the trees kind of a deal. How does Josh Clipperton view the Ottawa Senators at this stage, <laughs> coming off a really bad performance last night? But how do you view the Sens right now as we're through this trade deadline and where they're sitting and this playoff race that they now find themselves in? Yeah, long time no talk indeed. I thought it was something I said maybe last time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, um, I mean, obviously last night was, was not good and, and neither was the point they dropped to the Blackhawks, uh, you know, a little while back. So you wonder if those are three points that really come back to bite them. But deadline aside, like I, I think Pierre Dorian's been been fairly criticized in the past for not being able to, to fix that defense, whether it was through trade, free agency or through the draft. But I mean, this this trade was an absolute home run. I mean, can't you can't say anything else about it it was uh you know you get you get the player that everyone thought for a price that everyone sees as as being lower than what the asking was they were patient um they got the job done and you know I, before last night i really liked how the the team was playing and there's going to be there's going to be games like that unfortunately unfortunately came at a really bad time uh, but they just have to dust themselves off and you know they got the long road trip here so this will really kind of define uh, the rest of the season these this next week 10 days the the Sens are part of that group at the uh, chasing for the wild card with some established teams in the Islanders and Penguins, as well as others like Buffalo and and Detroit's kind of fallen out, but they're there and and up and coming. Uh, this Eastern Conference to me is going to be fascinating, and the changeover uh, that they that that will happen over the next number of years. And the Sens uh, in the midst of that is that kind of the viewpoint from outside of the of this city as well, that they, that they can push into that next group soon? Oh, yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. I, 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 absolutely. And uh, you mentioned about how things can change, you know, in, in the next couple of weeks. I mean, if you remember last year, every the top eight in the East was set basically, um, you know, in January or maybe even before that. I mean, every team finished with 100 points. So there was definitely sort of a two-tiered conference, but you're definitely seeing this year uh, more more teams starting to push. I mean, I mean we, we expected Buffalo to push. We expected Ottawa to push. Maybe push a little bit more, but but they're they're right there. Um, you know, they're still young groups and young teams. Um, and then you see like a team like Washington's really starting to fall off a little bit. Pittsburgh's not getting any younger. They kind of made a bunch of trades that I thought kind of just moved the deck chairs around the Titanic. Didn't really seem like it changed a whole lot. So uh, there's definitely a <clears throat> excuse me. Part of that conference is definitely in, in transition, and teams like Ottawa are uh, are the ones that are knocking on the door. You made the the comment, and um, we've talked about it as well. I saw on your Twitter feed uh, yesterday, Josh, and because this is a time of year where um, there's different storylines throughout the course of a year. And you're like, all right, it's this time of year, so this topic is going to come up and be talked about again. And this time of year, it's like, is the playoff format fair? Should it be changed? Well, in the East right now, if we went back to the old one versus eight, the matchups are exactly the same <laughs> as they, they would be under the current format here. How do you feel about you know, the, the current format and, you know, all kidding aside, do you think the NHL should revisit this at some point? Yeah. Well, when I was a fan, I, I was, I grew up with the one to eight. So like, I, I like that. I, I always thought that the, uh, the rivalries don't have to be ge- geographic. You look at Detroit, Colorado, like that wasn't a geographic rivalry um, back. And it was one of the fiercest rivalries in hockey. So I know what they're trying to do with, with the, 
the division based um, the division based uh, format we've had since uh, you know the last number of years. Um, it's an easy talking point, like you say. I mean, I think it came up. I was down at the All Star game, and you you know you got a bunch of stars, and you ask thirty of them the same question, and five come back with a good answer. I mean, so we do. We we try to try to push. Uh, push stories through and, and that, that's an easy one and it's an easy one every year um, but you're right I mean there it's the exact same and, and it will probably be similar or the exact same at the end of the year maybe the wild card teams will flip out but you know auto the top six teams in the east are also basically the top six teams in the entire league right now so you know there's going to be a lot of good teams going home one of Tampa Toronto or oh, sorry two of Tampa well Tampa or Toronto is going home and New Jersey and and the Rangers are going home, one of those two teams. So it's going to be a, a really good team heading home. And that's just the nature of the way the league is with the parity. You, you said that you, as a fan growing up, you grew up with one to eight. Is that what you would want to return to? Or is there a different one that Josh Clipperton, a different format that you could envision that, that would be a be-all, fix-all type of thing for the NHL in your mind? I'm. I mean, I like I like the one to eight, but I, but I, but I, but I say it, it doesn't really make a difference at these days with, with the parity. I think back... Before the salary cap, it was you know you actually have like teams that, you know a team punching way above its weight that might have an upset. Um, I kind of I've been, I've toyed with the idea of the play-in. I I, don't, I know the league doesn't like it. I don't think it's going to happen under Gary Batman's watch. Or I'm very confident it's not going to happen under Gary Batman's watch. Um, I like to pick the pick the opponent thing. Hockey is such a conservative sport. Like that would be a huge leap. I think that would be really fun for the fans. But you know, <laughs> the first team that picks its opponent and loses is never going to want to. You know, make pick anybody other than other than the, than the next slot next time. So, um, we'll see. There's lots of ideas out there. I, th- I think one date's fine. I think uh, you know, division's fine. I mean, you have to beat good teams. You know, we all love the first round of the playoffs for how competitive it is. Um, unlike other sports, the first round of hockey is always the best um, and has the most it's most engaging. So, I think they'll, they'll they'll stick with what it is. But yeah, little tweaks here and there over the years uh, could be something to that gets brought in. No, I think you're right with, with Gary Bettman. He's been pretty dead set against that, that kind of a change. So uh, probably we won't see it uh, under his tenure as, as commissioner. But with the one thing, um, you know, he takes a lot of criticism, but Gary Bettman, the one thing he's always kind of hung his hat on is he has increased franchise values over the course of him being the, uh, well, the first and only commissioner that the NHL has ever known. Uh, how much do you think he's rubbing his hands right now that the bids are, are in the first round? for the Ottawa Senators and the entire project for down at LeBreton Flats are in. And now he's a big part of this process of uh, helping guide this, Josh. And this this price point could touch a billion dollars. Um, and you know that Gary Bettman will be bringing that up <laughs> whenever <laughs> yeah, uh, this, this comes up and then talking about, you know, the great job that he's doing as commissioner because that's who, at the end of all of this, he works for the board. All the uh, the board of governors throughout the league, the owners of all these franchises, and when you think about it, it's amazing that uh, you know that number could touch a billion dollars when it's all said and done. Yeah, especially for a Canadian small market team. I, I mean, I, I think if you even said a year ago that that number could touch a billion, it would be people would call you crazy. I mean, I think I remember numbers of you know, on the sixes, maybe even high fives in terms of what that franchise is valued with. I mean, it's going to be really interesting. This process as it plays out to be a fly fascinating with with how how it all comes together, whether these groups, they pick one group, whether it's a hybrid of groups. Obviously, the, the Ryan Reynolds angle is, is really interesting with him reportedly having latched onto you know, to, to one, of the, one of the bidders instead of sitting back. So it'll, it'll be, yeah, it's a really interesting. And, and does the bid have to, you know, does it have to go downtown with, with the bid? Like, does the successful bidder have to go downtown? I would assume so. But 
there's still lots of moving parts. And, you know, I mean, I'm from that town, you know, how government works and everything. There's lots of, there's another layer when everything comes to, to projects in Ottawa. So it'll be really fascinating to see uh, how it all plays out. But, um, yeah, the commissioner will hang his hat on that, and rightly so. If, you know, he takes a lot of flack in the media and from fans, but, I mean, he's he he works at the pleasure of the board, as you say, as, as a, at the pleasure of the 32 owners. And uh, if he says something, it's, it's what they want. Um, and he's done a good job at it over his career. Ryan Reynolds obviously has been getting a lot of the the press with this sale, and and rightfully so. It's a big name, and and the promotion side of things that could come along with it, with what he's done with Wrexham and uh, the show that he's done there. Were you surprised? I know I was. Were you surprised that he attached himself to one bid and didn't just wait for it all to play out and kind of just latch on to whoever was the the winning bid? Oh. oh. But I mean, I think but, he, but he's oh, you're there. Sorry, Josh, oh, sorry, we lost guys. you for a second. We got you back. Oh, oh, sorry about that, guys. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. In terms of Ryan Reynolds, I thought uh, it was a little surprising, but I um, just was based on sort of what the way the it has sort of come out. But I mean, he's a businessman. He's more than just uh, you know just an actor. He's he's got other things. He's you know he's got different companies. He's got his production company. Uh, I think he's in the liquor business too. He's got the soccer team. So he, he I mean, he's. He's not just a, a face and a name. He's 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 a he's a business, you know. Um, a ty- I'm not, he's not a tycoon, but he but he's, he's definitely in the business world. And and uh, so he he obviously identified something that he that he likes. Um, but I mean, I, I think that with anything like the, the league will never say never on anything. So uh, and they're not going to back paint themselves into a corner in terms of what what has to happen with this with this process. So yeah, I'm a little surprising. Maybe the league was surprised, but uh, we'll see how it all plays out. Uh, Connor McDavid, Josh Clipperton is joining us here. Um, just continues to roll. A couple of goals last night as the Oilers um, get a win in Buffalo. He's running away with the points race. Um, he's got 12 goals in his last eight games. He now has 124 points on the season. That's a career high already now, and he's only played 65 games. He's on pace for 156 points. So if he hits 156 only Gretzky and Lemieux will be players to have more than that in any given one season. Now, those two guys hold the top 13 spots <laughs> as he would pass on to P and Steve Eiserman at 155, who is sitting at, at number 14. And this was all done in a different era where the game was different here. Having said that, I'm just running out of ways to talk about how great McDavid is. Um, for him to be scoring at this pace in this era – you know, like when it's all said and done, era adjusted and all of it here, does Connor McDavid deserve to be mentioned in the same conversation as Bobby Orr, as Wayne Gretzky, as Mario Lemieux, what he's doing now? I think he's going to be on the Mount Rushmore for sure. But when it's all said and done, if he's not already, I mean, it's the most talented. I've never seen, I mean, I've never seen anything like what he's doing. I mean, I've been watching this game a long time. I mean, you've been watching it. A little longer, not not to date ourselves, but it's it's a it's 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 incredible. Um, you know, I wrote I wrote uh, before the All Star game. I I honestly felt like just from afar that he wasn't getting enough attention for what he was doing. I mean, he he's been on a similar pace for most of the season. He's been on on pace to to crack you know what Lemieux did in in the mid nineties and mid nineties those great seasons with the Penguins in ninety five ninety six. Um, so yeah, it's it's. Uh, it's incredible to watch. It's uh, it's appointment viewing every night. He's going to be here in Toronto on Saturday night, so that's going to be a you know a big one, of course. Whenever he comes uh, back to his hometown or you know just just south of his hometown, so um, it'll be uh, yeah. It's you. I run out of words to describe it too. It's it's kind of like 
when I was at the World Juniors covering Connor Bedard, like, can we write enough about Connor Bedard? Like, can we can we write about enough about Connor McDavid? And the answer is is probably no. Uh, you, you mentioned the Leafs and McDavid going there. The, the they've been on a collision course with Tampa Bay since essentially the start of the season in that first round. Is this the year with Tampa struggling, uh, and and we're still a ways away from the playoffs? They they still have plenty of time to write the ship. But is this the year that Tampa might be ripe for the picking and, and a good matchup for the Leafs heading into the first round? I would think so, but I also thought it was a pretty good matchup for them last year. I think this is a better matchup. Um, and obviously, O'Reilly's broken his finger, but he'll be back for the regular season. You know, they remade their their forward group. They got they got more nasty, more more gritty with Achari and Lafferty, faster with Lafferty especially. Um, and and McCabe adds an element on on their back end. Uh, which is which is which is important as well. I mean, they they needed to do that, but mainly their bottom six. They had to get rid of this or get stopped this sort of um, you know revolving door of Marleys they had on, on their on their fourth line. They they got established guys now, and you know, like you say, Tampa's struggling. You know, it was just shocking to see uh, you know, the top line get benched over the weekend, and then they come out the next day and lose six nothing Carolina. Like it's it's a lot of fun times down there and uh, on the east coast of, uh, of Florida right now. But I mean, that's a championship team, and and they're. They're going to be ready to play in the playoffs. You know, they've 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 got battle-tested guys. They've got guys that have proven already in in short playoff runs, like Nick Paul, like that what they can do, and and they know how to win. So, Leafs are going to have to, to have to play that game. Uh, you know, the regular season is a completely different game, and you know, at the end of the day, they still have Vasilevsky, and the Leafs have Samsonov and Murray, and you know that could be the deciding factor. It doesn't really matter what the rosters look like if uh, if the goalie on one side or the other uh, either plays above or below his ability. All right, I. I, I want to ask you a couple of other questions about uh, uh, other Canadian teams as uh, Josh Clipperton is joining us from the Canadian Press. Covers the NHL with special focus on, obviously, Canadian teams here. So which situation is under more pressure in terms of job security, Calgary making the playoffs or the Leafs winning a round? Oh, that's a good one. That's a good question. I, I, would, I would guess the Leafs winning a round um, because I think that Brad Tree Living is safe if the Flames don't make it. I don't know that anyone's safe if the Leafs don't win around. I mean, I, that's just my my feeling. I mean, Dubas doesn't have a contract for next year, as we know. I'm not saying that would be fair, but but like, as I've said before, life isn't fair. Like The, the Leafs have, have, uh, are in tough division, but there's lots of tough divisions. Um, you know, Florida last year, the like Leafs, you know, were in a position to win the division a lot of times last year. Uh, but, sorry, we're in a position to win a division with the, what they what they did last year. But you know, Florida never lost an extra time. They had a they went on a crazy run, and now this year Boston's on a you know on a 1976 Montreal Canadiens style pace with with their season. So, but the, but that doesn't matter. The, the Leafs have to get through around. I think um, in terms of Calgary, I mean Daryl Sutter is a coach with a, with an expiry date. I think his his style especially. Um, I I think that you know he could be gone. Uh, I don't know that as that's just my my guess. But I think that the GM would probably still be safe. Whereas in Toronto, I think uh, all bets are off if they don't win around. There could be now, a, oh sorry, Lloyd. Sorry, go there, go there ahead, could be a number of uh, cities with uh, some changes, and, and you went through too with Toronto and Calgary. But is there going to be a more interesting market during the off season, uh, depending on what happens with Toronto, but then Vancouver? Because there is so many, there are so many balls up in the air, and so much potential to happen with that organization. Uh, what's next for the Canucks after the season? Yeah, no, it's a good question. I covered that team for five years, and, and there's not a single player on the roster except for Brock Besser, uh, who's left. So you can tell the turnover that's happened there, and they sort of just been retooling on the fly ever since. It's it's interesting. I mean, we heard rumors about JT Miller over the over the trade deadline with Pittsburgh, and that didn't didn't come together. So. 
Um, yeah, the Canucks are they're sort of in this perpetual <clears throat> excuse me this perpetual rebuild slash well, not rebuild this perpetual retool. The owner won't rebuild. Uh, so I mean, they, but now at the, they're at the point where they've got you know they've got Hughes, Patterson, uh, Demko. Um, you know they've kind of got a young core. So to rebuild at this point or to to tear it down would would almost you'd have to sort of wave goodbye to those guys. So they're kind of they're kind of stuck in that they have to continue pushing through this attempt to just make the playoffs. And uh, that's their kind of modus operandi out there. They, they, they feel like if they make the playoffs, uh, anything can happen. Um, so they're not, they're not committed to tearing it down. And it'll be very interesting. I mean, the coach in there. Uh, but, yeah, it's a, it's a market that's never boring, I know, from personal experience. Okay, uh, last one for you here. What's happened to the Winnipeg Jets? I mean, it doesn't seem that long ago. I thought this team could win the Stanley Cup with the way they're going. And they got a great goalie in Hellebuck. And now they've won two of their last 10. I think they've won seven of their last 20. I don't have the answer. That's why I'm asking you. What's happened yeah. to Winnipeg? <laughs> I, I don't have an answer either. I'm in the same boat as you. I remember when they rolled through Toronto uh, a few months ago, they were they were just flying high. Bonuses. People are talking about Rick Bonus, obviously. You know, um, Sen's first coach being a possible coach of the year uh, nominee. It's it's just, uh, it's kind of fallen off. Uh, you know, it's not kind of fallen off. It's fallen off dramatically. And, you know, the GM was asked after the trade deadline, you know, about what it's like to see his team not play with emotion. Like, those are serious questions. And when a team has stripped the C from its captain in Blake Wheeler before the season and now has this sort of communal leadership group, you know, everything was good early, but things are, are not good now. And, and you wonder about the direction of that team, the direction of that room, and if they can get it back on track because, you know, they couldn't score for a while and now they can't keep the puck out of the net. So, like, it's, and, and now they're scoring. So it's, it's all over the place. They need. They have time to to fix it. I mean, Josh Norris. Josh Morrissey. They're calling him Josh Norrissey. He's having a great season. Norris conversation. But yeah, I know it's it's been a rough uh, six weeks out in out in uh, the Manitoba capital. They need to get it uh, sorted out quick. Picked up a point last night, but uh, lost in uh, San Jose, and they beat the Oilers a game before that. So we'll see how it plays out. Josh, great to reconnect with you. I won't wait that long the next time. Thanks for uh, for, <laughs> for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. You know how to, you know where to find me. There's uh, Josh Clippert and joining us uh, from the Canadian Press, the uh, NHL writer for CP, joining us on the Gabriel Pizza Hotline.